Something new. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18 and 19. I will read verse 18 also. Do not call to mind the former things or ponder things of the past. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. Let's pray. We ask that you would do that very thing. And God, help us to be in line with what it is that you're doing. Lord, I invite you uh, to interrupt. And you know that I've had my thoughts, but I want your agenda I want to follow you. We want this to be your worship service, not ours. And God, would you remove us out of any sort of a spectator mode and place us in that of a participator? So thank you. Holy Spirit, increase your presence. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, This may make you think of what Paul said in Philippians about how we forget the things that lie behind. We press forward for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This, These verses, of course, I want to give them somewhat of a context, and that is the literary context of what's being said here. You might notice chapter 43 begins with the words, but now. So that right there implies that we're right in the middle of some sort of a section. He's referring to something when he says, but now. And what he's referring to is what's been said starting in verse 18 of chapter 42. So this section of scripture can be kind of unified or identified from chapter 42, verse 18, all the way through chapter 43, verse 21. And some of the study Bibles highlight it and uh, title it this, God restores his people for his glory. Or he redeems them. He redeems or he restores them, but he does it for his glory. Boy, it's hard for me not to just emphasize that. God does everything that he does for his glory. Glory. And that's really, really good news for us. So look at verse 7, if you would, of chapter 43. 43 verse 7 says, Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory. Why did God create us for his glory? In context, why did he create the nation Israel? Answer, for his glory. That was really good news for them. Because that meant that they were a privileged, chosen, loved, treasured people. Verse 4. Since you are precious in my sight. Since you are honored and I love you. I will give other men in your place and other peoples in exchange for your life. And we know that he it was his very son that he would give in exchange for our lives. In context, what he is saying to them is when they've been given over to other people, like to Babylon and other nations that did not treat them well, he delivered them over to these other peoples. But now he's saying, I'm going to 
bring you back. The book of Isaiah is very interesting. That's where he warns judgment and doom and gloom that's to come. And that's because they sinned and turned away from God. And then he promises comfort and restoration and forgiveness and streams in the desert. It, and there are so many promises packed in this book. Look for promises and claim the promises that God has in this book for us. So in chapter 42, if your Bible's open, 42 verse 22, it says, But this is a people plundered and despoiled. All of them are trapped in caves and are hidden away in prisons. And they have become a prey with none to deliver them and a spoil with none to say, give them back. Verse 24. Who gave Jacob up for spoil and Israel to plunderers? Was it not the Lord against whom we have sinned and in whose ways they were not willing to walk, in whose law they did not obey? See, they were given over. Now God is saying in chapter 43, I'm going to give other people in place for you. I'm going to ransom you. I'm going to restore you. You are my beloved people. And he does it all for his glory. Look at verse 21 of 43. Everybody with me? 43 verse 21. Well, verse 20 says even the beasts of the field will glorify him. It's one of the reasons I'm not an evolutionist, just so you know. How in the world anybody can watch hummingbirds in the morning and think that evolved from a dinosaur? Like you've heard it said before, that takes more faith than just believe in creation. Verse 21. The people whom I formed for myself will declare my what? Praise. My praise. And see, they get the joy. We get the joy of declaring God's praise. He receives the glory. God created us for His glory, and that's really good news for us because we combust in praise as we see how wonderful and awesome God is. So it's in this context that, oh, I, I just, uh, I know I don't have time to turn to chapter 48, verse 9, if you would, 48, verse 9. You gotta turn quickly because that clock doesn't pause on us. 48, verse 9. For the sake of my name, I delay my wrath. And for my praise, I restrain it for you in order not to cut you off. Why is God being so patient for His glory? He created you for His glory. Don't think lightly about the patience and the forbearance of God. It's His kindness that's meant to draw you to repentance and to draw you to himself. Chapter 63. Look at chapter 63, verse 14. I'm telling you guys to turn there quickly and I'm like going page by page. I need to take more pages in my hands at once. Chapter 63, verse 14. This is in that context where they grieved his Holy Spirit. It was like the cloud and the fire. There in the wilderness, verse 10, they rebelled, regrieved his Holy Spirit. Verse 14, as the cattle which go down into the valley, the Spirit of the Lord gave them rest. So you led your people to make for yourself a glorious name. Why did God do it all? To make for himself a glorious name. You see, the glory 
And how awesome that they knew his name. How awesome that we now have his name. That Jesus came and revealed to us who his father really and truly is. And now he says, until now you've asked for nothing in my name, ask. and You will receive so that your joy may be full. The glory of God. Now turn back, if you would, to chapter 43. Verse 8 says, bring out the people who are blind, even though they have eyes. Do y'all hear those crickets? That means it's time for me to wrap it up. And I'm just getting started. Verse 8, bring out the people who are blind, even though they have eyes, and the deaf, even though they have ears. See, God wants them to see something. He wants them to be restored. Over in chapter 42, verse 18, he said, Hear you deaf and look you blind. See? 42, 18. Hear you deaf, look you blind. Now 43. I bring them out. I want them to see this. I want them to get this. I want them to understand that they are precious in my sight. Verse 10 of 43. 43, 10. You are my witnesses, declared the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, and there will be none after me. You see the majesty of God here, the glory of God. Verse 14, thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake I have sent to Babylon and will bring them all down as fugitives, even the Chaldeans into ships in which they rejoice. He's saying, I'm going to remove you from them and I'm going to remove the Chaldeans, the Babylonians. I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to restore you. And then it's in verse 19 that he says, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Don't be blind. Don't be deaf about it. See what I'm doing because I'm doing it for my glory and your benefit. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. A new thing. But here's the thing. Whenever God does a new thing, we often come to the place where we don't identify it as something from God. We think it's wrong to do because it's new. We miss, we miss it. John Wimber said, he's got a lot of good quotes, but he said, the last move of God always criticizes the new move of God. And when you look throughout church history, that's exactly what they did. The last move of God would criticize the next move of God. But what if God wants to do something new? Are we on board with it? Because it has to do with restoration. It has to do with redemption. It has to do with his glory. And it has to do with our very best. I don't want to miss if God's doing something new. So I was at a pastor's conference in June of 2022. And there was a guy there from the North Georgia Revival. And he was a pastor. His name was Todd Smith. Where he was going to resign his church. I've told you a little about this before. And he was literally at a low place in his life. And he went up to the steps, the altar in the sanctuary, all by himself while it was dark. And he's knelt down just saying, God, I'm done. I can't go on any longer. I can't keep like serving you like this. And when he looked up at the baptistry, what he saw was an open vision 
of water in the baptistry. And he said like a strip of fire going straight across it, about two to three feet wide, straight across fire. He lives in Dawsonville, Georgia. What's significant about that is it's the moonshine capital of the world. Just pretend you didn't know that. And moonshine has different names like moonshine or white lightning or fire water. In fact, they have a festival every year, a moonshine festival. No, I don't plan on going to it. He spoke at our pastor's conference, and this was him. And I was so moved by some of the things that he was saying as he told the story of what God took him through so that I purchased his book. And it's very interesting because what happened was... he felt God saying, I will meet you in the water. And so he's gone through all sorts of ridicule. There's a picture of fire on the front of the book. He's gone through because he felt God saying, I'll meet you in the water. And so he was obedient to it. So I purchased his book and I'm headed back. I'm in the Baltimore airport. I'm literally reading page 62 that says hosting the presence of God takes a tremendous amount of effort and can be taxing on you physically as well as the church body as a whole. It requires long hours as people from all around the world will want to come and encounter his presence. Furthermore, God will do things in your midst that others Those on the outside of the revival will not understand. Therefore, because they don't understand, they will call into question the authenticity of the move and doubt the biblical validity of such manifestations. Naturally, the outcome will be separation. People will begin to isolate themselves from you. They still love you, but cannot walk with you. On this journey, the text comes in while I'm reading this in the airport and I look at it and it says, my wife and I are leaving First Community Church. We disagree with the direction. Now, what's the likelihood of that happening? But they still love you. The truth is, I still love them. But I just have to go with what God's doing. If God's doing a new thing, and it's not the way he did things in the 80s, it's not the way he did them in the 1740s, it's not the way he did in the turn of the 18th, 19th century, God does a new thing, and he does it for his glory and restoration of his people. And so he shared some stories, and this is just me pulling out the phone at the conference, taking pictures of the screen. The lady on the left had cancer. This is her husband, who's a doctor. They get in the baptistry in the waters every Sunday night. They've been going now for several years. I think they're on uh, Sunday night, something like, uh, coming up on their 300th. They're somewhere around 290 or something like that of Sunday night after Sunday night after Sunday night, starting at 6 p.m., and some people wait till midnight to enter these waters. Not to profess salvation. Not to tell the church that they now are going to follow Jesus, which is what baptism is for. This is entering the waters as a meeting point with the living God. So you see how he got in some hot water, no pun intended, for it. 
It just came to me, some hot water, fire water, and he's got hot water. This was her scan. All those black spots are cancer in her body, except for her heart, her bladder, and her kidneys. She gets in the water. The next week, she goes for her scan. I don't know if you noticed, they're kind of looking at each other like, well, this is our last shot. Here we go. And the next week, she gets a scan. Here's her body. That's her heart. That's her bladder and her kidneys. That's it before. That's it documented. He had stacks of doctor's documentation. These are not just take it by faith. These are, here it is. You're welcome to come and look at it. This woman posted she over she was human trafficked and over 30 years she had uh, night terrors and sleepless nights and she posted that she has slept well ever since entering into the waters. And so they have just kept it going. So some of them are physical verifiable healings by doctors. Some of them are emotional healings. And then this young girl gets into the water. She was a cutter. I don't know if you can see the picture from where you are cutting. And after entering the waters, this was her arm. And those are the seats that are in their sanctuary. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Would you turn over to chapter 44, verse 3, just so you don't miss what the rivers and the desert are? The rivers, the waters are the Holy Spirit. Verse 44, verse 3, I will pour out water on thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit. My should be capitalized, spirit should be capitalized. My spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. So the streams that God will make in the rivers. So my wife and I are vacationing in uh, July of 2022 in Orange Beach, Alabama. So we drove up to the North Georgia Revival. We were there on night 233. This is my wife, top left in the waters. And this guy's name is Pastor Marty. The pastor never preaches at this. He always brings in somebody outside, at least when we were there. He had never preached. He has somebody else do it because it's not about him. And here's one of their other pastors. And he does a lot of the baptism. And down bottom left is another pool over here. And that's where our son Jonathan was over there in that pool. And then I entered the waters after my wife. And there I am going back into the waters. Not for salvation. Not to tell the church I'm saved. Not to say I want to follow Jesus. But because I believe God is doing a new thing. And I wanted to be a part of it. And some would tell me not to do it. But I'm hungry for more of God. And we need a breakthrough. She and I need a breakthrough. And if others have experienced breakthrough, we're willing to drive. And she and Jonathan said, don't worry, we'll help drive back. They were snoozing like crazy on the way back. I'm out there in the middle of these roads of Alabama trying to keep my eyes awake. So then this this last year in June of this year, I was in Mechanicsburg for a pastor's conference. Same guy's there. He gives a similar message. And out back, you could sign up. And here's a little tents they had set up. You could change clothing if you if you want to. They had scrubs and stuff you could put on. And in the parking lot, they had these little pools of water. You know what I did? I went in. 
I was out there somewhere, you know, Chile in Pennsylvania on a June night, somewhere about 11 p.m., 11.30, waiting to get in the water. And when I got in the water, the guy said to me, what's your name, where are you from, and why are you in the water? And I said, honestly, I'm in the water because Galatians 2, verse 20. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm in the water for further death to me and more of the life of Jesus in and through me. And he said, well, I really don't know how to pray for you, but put your hand over your nose and don't he dunked me. And it was super chilly when I got out of that water and headed back to change. I was sprinkled as a baby, and I didn't know it. I didn't remember it. And before I immersed anybody, this was us in our old building. I didn't tell anybody about it, but I had my friend who led me to faith in Jesus to come down. And before I baptized anybody else, I got into our tank. So this is me to be immersed in the water, which I had never, ever done before. I had believed in Jesus. I had been pastoring about three or four years. I wasn't sure what people were going to say. I didn't know if they'd be outraged because you've been our pastor how long? Or if they'd say, are you saying when I was sprinkled, that wasn't good enough? And I was saying, all I know is I'm doing what God wants me to do. And that's all he's asking you to do. Do what he's telling you to do. So we're going to baptize one person today. Because she wants to profess publicly that she now believes in Jesus and she's following him. We're going to baptize others who want to be renewed or want to express their regeneration. They want a point of contact with the living God who said, I'll meet you in the waters. God's doing a new thing. Don't miss it. Be a part of whatever God is doing. So I'm going to pray. Father in heaven, I hope I've said what you want me to say. I didn't do it in the time frame that I thought it would. But God, I just pray that you would take this to people's hearts in whatever way, shape, or fashion that you want to. And Lord, would you come and meet people in the water today? I pray that they would feel much of what you let me feel. Your presence. So come, Holy Spirit. Father, thank you for sending Jesus to be the ransom for our sins. For giving him an exchange for our lives. We love you, God. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So Esther, would you please come meet me up here? What is your name? Esther. Why do you want to be baptized today? To show people that I trust in Jesus. Esther, do you understand that these waters do not save you, but it's what Jesus did on the cross? Yes. That saves you. (laughs) You believe Jesus is the Son of God? Yes. Do you believe he died on the cross? Yes. Do you believe he was raised from the dead? Yes. And do you believe he purchased a place in heaven for you? Yes. Very good. How can I deny her the waters of baptism?
Bruce, are you in concurrence with us baptizing Esther Humboldt? Amen, I am. Okay, thank you. Um, I've only baptized one other person who is about this age, and I just want you as a church to know this. We don't try to baptize as many as we can to build up our numbers, to brag at pastor's conferences about how many we baptized this year. So many got baptized so early in life that when they get older, they want to be baptized again because they said they really weren't sure what they were doing. So that's why I really took a lot of time and made sure that she really wants to do this. And you really want to do this? You can change your mind even right now. Remember we talked about that? Okay, great. Well, let me get in front of you. And would you just follow me up here?